Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Winsight Media's two food service brands, Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Editor covering menu, food, and drink for both brands. Today I'm talking with Dan Hubschman, Corporate Executive Chef for Gibson's Restaurant Group in Chicago. Gibson's has built its reputation on expertly cooked steaks, seafood, and pastas, which the chef perfected through his years at culinary school and working his way up the restaurant ladder. But his first kitchen job was at his dad's KFC franchise, where he accidentally set fire to the deep fryer. Listen as Dan talks about his culinary journey since then, the importance of sourcing ingredients and adapting his menus to the times, and what he's looking forward to for the holidays and beyond. Welcome, Dan. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me, Pat. So let's start by uh, telling me a little bit about your journey as a chef. What were some of the steps along the way that got you to Gibson's Italia? Well, um, I'm, I'm with Gibson's Restaurant Group. I'm the corporate executive chef for the group. Um, I started out in my dad's Kentucky Fried Chicken stores. He had a franchise down in South Florida when I was a kid. I think first real uh, kitchen experience was setting a deep fryer on fire. Uh, Did not make him uh, very proud. Fortunately, the Ansel didn't uh, didn't go off. you know, I, I said early in my 20s, I want to open up a restaurant. I want to be a restaurant uh, owner. And my dad, who was a restaurateur his whole life, uh, prior to that, he had done, uh, he was born in Germany, had done a hotel restaurant apprenticeship and worked on, on cruise ships and was a food and beverage director for the St. Paul Athletic Club and ended up migrating to work for Kentucky Fried Chicken and work with Colonel Sanders. So there was a ton of experience there. Uh, he was passionate about the industry and the business. Uh, my mother, uh, everything was cooked out of Julia Child's uh, uh, Art of French Cooking. Uh, and I didn't even know what Instant Mac was until I was about 13 or 14. Um, long story short, I, so that, that, was, that was in my, my uh, I guess, my programming. Um, and then as I, I progressed and decided to open up a restaurant or wanted to open up a restaurant, my, my dad said, learn how to cook. So pardon my French, the prima donna in the kitchen doesn't have you by the balls. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I took that advice, said, okay, I'm going to go to culinary school and I'm going to learn how to do that. Um, and as I progressed and I went uh, to the Cooking and Hospitality Institute of Chicago, I worked at the Ritz Carlton. I was one of the opening cooks for uh, the Peninsula Hotel here when we opened. Um, as my my uh, education progressed and I followed the timeline I had set, I reached a point uh, where I was working uh, partly as a general manager and an executive chef of a restaurant. And I realized, wow, my passion really is with the food and the back of house and, and that kind of operation. So, uh, I just moved forward with that and just ended up working in uh, some, I guess, big box restaurants, uh, the clubhouse out in Oak Brook. And then I came to Gibson's back in 08, um, you know, a brief period in between. I went and worked for House of Blues as their corporate chef, but I've been with them for, uh, I guess, uh, combined total of uh, a little over 10 years. Um, and I love it. I have a passion for the business. I love the food. I love the industry um the 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 social interaction with uh with the the job is fantastic you know so 
good people, good times, great food, love food, you know? So here I am. Well, great. And Gibson's is really known for its great steaks and meat dishes. So talk a little bit about how it all starts with the sourcing. Sure. Uh, well, we take that very seriously. And as you know, as we've progressed uh, and, and grown, um, we've definitely uh, been in a position to where we could really narrow our scope of what kind of product we wanted to bring in, uh, where that product was coming from, and then set up the systems to manage it from uh, point A to point B. Uh, our domestic prime program, uh, it's specific to the upper Midwest. We have four, uh, four facilities selected that produce our animals. Um, and we have aging guidelines uh, of 45 days minimum. So these corn-fed prime Angus animals um, come into Chicago, they're kept in one facility, which is stockyards. Um, and we manage the aging by auditing their, uh, their shelf life and kill dates on the boxes or harvest dates to put that a little bit nicer. Um, and then it comes down to the consistency of the cutters. You know, some of these people over at stockyards have, have worked for stockyards for 30, 40 years, and they've been cutting our beef for 30 plus years at this point. Um, and then it comes down to the, the final check, the chefs and, uh, and the servers who we tout as our uh, customer advocates. Uh, if it's not right when it hits the plate, it's not leaving the kitchen and we'll, we'll start over. Um, you know, and then we have our grass-fed Australian program. You know, we, we set out on this um, endeavor a few years ago to find the best grass-fed product you could find, knowing that this was coming, coming onto the marketplace or coming into the marketplace. And, um, well, you know, the domestic stuff or the things we were coming, coming across, well, it's just it wasn't great. It wasn't exactly the flavor profile we were looking for. And we stumbled across this uh, program out of uh, uh, Southeast Australia. Uh, uh, it's done by JBS and we uh, partner with OSI, who's a mass importer for groups like Chipotle and McDonald's and they're a global power. Uh, and we bring this stuff in. It's aged a minimum of 75 days. Uh, very clean flavor. Uh, the marble scoring on it uh, is uh, in the top, I believe, 5% um, in Australia or in that region. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's a great product. Uh, coupled with uh, the aging, it's super tender and delicious. So we're proud of that. So we're very serious about it, I guess, to be long-winded. Yeah. So are consumers asking for the grass-fed beef, or do they know the differences between that and the prime I, you know the demand the demand has certainly grown so it's it's difficult to measure in the time we're in right now to to see the exponential growth but as uh we put it on the menu when we opened italia three years ago uh we've seen a steady increase so initially it was italia only and then we introduced it at gibson's uh one cut then two cuts and it's just gone from there and we've seen uh more and more people requesting it uh I think a consumer that wasn't originally drawn to it, who had the opportunity to try it, uh, has really changed. And they're coming in and pursuing that product and, and they want it. They request it. Pursuing is probably a little bit dramatic. Um, and it's great. It's good stuff. 
So we're, we're seeing exponential growth with it. Well, you cook a lot of steaks. So what are the secrets to cooking the perfect steak? Oh, cooking a perfect steak. So I think uh, for me, it's uh, letting it come to room temperature before you cook it. So I would at least give it 30 minutes pulled out of the refrigerator, uh, patting it dry. Seasoning's unbelievably important. And of course, your cooking surface. You know, you have to do it the right way. Uh, how much char do you want on it? What kind of sear? Uh, doing that properly, using some indirect heat when necessary to get the temperature you want, and, and not being afraid to use a thermometer, especially if you're at home. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not ashamed to say I pull out the thermometer. I want to make sure my steak's right. There's nobody I can send it back to there, you know? <laughs> That's true. But you also cook a lot of pasta at Gibson's Italia. So what, sure. are, um, what are some of the signature pasta dishes? Well, I, I think a big deal for us is our gold extruded pasta. We, um, we wanted to have the best extruded pasta you could find. And we learned that uh, gold dyes, when you extrude the pasta, uh, form uh, more, I guess, uh, uh, a more porous pasta, which you're like, oh, how can this, these micro pores really make the difference? Uh, it does, it makes a huge difference. It really absorbs the flavor uh, of the sauce or whatever you're uh, you're making with it, um, and just produces a superior product. I had the crab pasta when I was there last, and that was just amazing. Oh, love it, love yeah. it, yeah. I mean, who doesn't love Alaskan king crab and pasta? Super decadent. Yeah, it made a great combination. I had never had it before. Um, so what are some of the ideas that you brought to the menu at Gibson's Italia to differentiate from all the other steak and Italian restaurants in Chicago. There are a lot of those. So is there anything you couldn't take off the menu because it's so popular? And what are some of the signatures that you brought to the menu? Well, I think a signature item of just the Gibson's restaurant group would be our, uh, our Chicago cut or bone-in ribeye. It's uh, a pound and a quarter. Uh, it's our 45-day minimum age Midwest Angus beef, right? So of course we introduce that, that can't go away. Uh, we do uh, prime fillets there. Uh, we bring in different uh, cuts of uh, of uh, Kobe and Wagyu, uh, and we we experiment with that. Right now, we're running olive beef, which is just unbelievable. Uh, it's a it's a variation of Kobe, and it's kind of you know what's what's readily available on the market. What's a little bit different? What tastes great? And then, of course, we want to prepare it properly. Um, and uh, give the experience of, of being able to share. We encourage sharing with everything we, we serve there. Mm. Um, yeah. What is the most popular steak ordered? Most popular steak ordered, you know, in any restaurant, it seems to be a center cut filet. People love filets uh, and that it's, it's what they want. Uh, the number two is definitely our uh, bone and ribeye, uh, the, the Chicago cut, people love that. Right. I think, you know, I've always gravitated toward the bone in because it has a little more flavor. Yeah. The bone gives it some flavor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, it's, it's, it, you have to cook it properly. It's, it can be challenging, I think, for, for folks at home. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, you run into uh, 
the perception of, oh my gosh, it's more rare towards the bone than it is uh, towards the edge. But yes, you do get a ton of flavor out of it. And it's fun to eat it off the bone, you know? You really feel like you have something a little bit different. And I don't think people eat that way at home uh, as often as, as they would if uh, they were out. Right. Well, we talked a little bit about, you know, the pandemic and all the challenges of pandemic dining. So what are some of the ways that you've adapted the menu to make it more suitable for outdoor dining, which you're doing a lot of now? Or how have you streamlined the menu at all to make it easier to execute for your kitchen staff? Sure. I, I think the, the current environment, we, we're forced to rethink what we're doing. While we're committed to who we are and our DNA and our hospitality and, and delivering what Gibson's is, whether it's Gibson's Italia or Gibson's Steakhouse or Hugo's. Um, we did take a look at some of those things that we don't really sell a lot. And how do you produce food efficiently and deliver, uh, deliver I guess, that, that quality, exciting experience that people expect when they come to one of our restaurants? Um, I don't think there's, they're really, as far as innovation and changing things, this certainly wasn't the time to introduce new things uh, as far as recipes and creations. It was a time to take a look at the things that, well, this doesn't work great. So maybe this should go away right now and we could operate a little bit more efficiently. Uh, one of the most interesting things that I've gone through, uh, the initial shutdown was the, the rapid switch to carry out and DoorDash and Caviar and all the other platforms. How do you set yourself up for that? It was such a small part of our business before. Now it's a huge part of our business. Mm. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be a huge part of our business for, for quite some time. So there's the, the uh, factor of the space to just stage these orders, the personnel to to build and double check to ensure you haven't made a mistake because you can't correct it. You know, in a restaurant, mm -hmm. something, you know, something gets forgotten or not rung in properly. We can recover pretty quickly and mistakes happen. And it's not if, oh my goodness, you made a mistake. It's how well you recover and you can't recover when you, you do the carry out stuff. So that, that's been super challenging. Uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job and we continue to see those numbers grow which just is, is, is mind boggling. I, I knew it would continue. I knew there would be some consistency in that business, even as indoor dining reopened and customers returned and, and really craving it. There's a segment of the population that really just doesn't want to go out and doesn't want to expose themselves. Mm -hmm. And that has certainly contributed to the growth uh, in that area. The other thing we've really started to focus on is our stakes uh, from uh, a retail perspective, take them home and cook them. Um, we started selling our steaks out of the restaurant, individually cryovac, uh, to take home. And we included a bottle of our Gibson season salt. Every time you bought a steak, whether it was one steak or five steaks, you got mm -hmm. a bottle of our season salt to take home. We created videos uh, uh, on our website. Hey, you want to learn how to cook a steak at home? Go here. I'll show you how to do it. So we have... Uh, a version where we do a steak outside on the grill and I filmed it at my place and mm. I did one in my kitchen at my home. So let's make it real, right? Let's not make it in a massive stainless steel kitchen with a French broiler and a nice hood. Uh, right. Let's smoke up the joint and then, you know, you set up the ladder by the, uh, 
by the fire alarm and you climb it and you, you disable it as you're cooking, you know, like everybody else does <laughs> in the world. So those are some of the things we've done. And then it's kind of uh, really forced our hand too, which is something I, I have been pushing for years uh, to get uh, an e-commerce program going uh, with our stake. So we've partnered with a local company, Purely Meat Company, uh, and they have their own platform and they do a great job. Joe and Maribel Muslami are, are close friends of mine and uh, I, couldn't have, uh, I couldn't have thought of a better group of people to do this with. Now, when the pandemic occurred, they immediately shut down and they're like, what are we gonna do? We've lost all of this business. Super nimble, super nimble. They uh, immediately went to expanding their online platform and they have hit it out of the park. So we brought this to them. We said, we wanna start with our Australian steaks. Let's go. Uh, and we've done it. We've been up and running for about two months now with uh, with the uh, Gibson's Grassfed Australian, and now we've managed to. Uh, I guess we're about ready to introduce our prime product there too, one steak at a time to make sure we're doing it right. Right. So is the Gibson seasoning the secret seasoning you were talking about before? It's, it's very secret. Yes, yeah. top secret. Available on Amazon and at your local grocery store. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's awesome. It's so good, you know. But I'm also a guy that loves just salt and pepper on my steak, you know. Season it right. So if you don't have Gibson seasoned salt, it's not a big deal. Um, it would make it better, but, you know. Just salt and pepper. Make sure you season liberally. The larger the steak, the more seasoning you have to use. Well, as we move into colder weather, which is you know happening in some parts of the Midwest already, how is Gibson's going to accommodate outdoor customers? And are you like winterizing the menu, putting like warmer items or warmer cocktails on there? Right. How do we winterize the menu? Uh, I, you know, our menu is pretty consistent seasonally. Uh, you know, we are a steakhouse, we're comfort food, um, you know, the Italian stuff we have, at those are hearty dishes. We always have fresh house. Um, we've started to, to get back to our soup rotation slowly. That was a move we had to make at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, when you're looking at what you're doing every day, can I commit two to three hours of labor to produce my daily soup? Uh, or do we scale down to one? So we did scale down to one, one soup every day. And what was super approachable? Chicken noodle, which is was typically our Sunday soup. Mm. Uh, we've just gone back to bringing back our beef barley. Uh, we have our uh, signature book binder on the menu on uh, Fridays and then Saturdays we do lobster bisque. So, you know, we're trying to bring some of that stuff back on online. Mm -hmm. And how about the drink side of the menu? Are you, do you get involved with that at all? I, I'm not super involved with, uh, with our beverage program, but yeah, absolutely. There, there are hot drinks that our, our, um, our beverage director is developing and working on. And, you know, we try and stay seasonal with the ciders and uh, uh, our version of the Irish coffee. You know, so yeah, absolutely. We're, we're trying to encourage people with that, but what's better in the middle of the winter than a nice big glass of red wine? Right, and you have a lot of red wines on your list. <laughs> plenty of that, plenty of that, yeah. Are there some that you prefer with steak, just personally? Oh, I think two of my favorites. So um, I'm a big value guy, and that doesn't mean I want something inexpensive. I just wanna know what I'm getting I'm not overpaying for. First of all, 
everything we sell here, I think if you looked at our wine list relative to other people, it's, it's substantially uh, less expensive for, uh, for exactly the same bottle of wine. If I'm going to sit down, I think dollar for dollar, uh, Faust and uh, I like uh, Freemark Abbey. Uh, those are two of my favorite cabs. Um, and another favorite, of course, is Nickel and Nickel. Love Nickel and Nickel. Mm. So those, are, those are probably my three go-tos if I have a, a preference. Well, let's talk a little bit about the holidays, which are not, they're coming up pretty soon. I know since I live near Gibson's Italia, I, I remember on Easter, you had lines out the door for curbside pickup and Mother's Day was another really busy holiday. So right. are, are you planning something special for Thanksgiving and Christmas this year? Sure. So historically, the majority of our locations were closed on Thanksgiving. Um, we each year do uh, out of our uh, Gibson's uh, on Rush location, uh, we help out Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Coalition, and we feed a lot of uh, uh, underprivileged folks uh, in the city. So we, we've done that volunteer stuff, but this year it's different, right? So we're, we're really, you know, our backs are against the wall and we need to, to keep going. So we're opening up our three Gibson Steakhouse locations for Thanksgiving, and we're opening up Gibson's Italia for Thanksgiving. Uh, our menus will be straightforward, streamlined, because we know the demand is going to be high. Uh, but of course, we're, we're offering uh, traditional uh, turkey dinners, you know, a, a, a kid version and an adult version. So turkey, stuffing, um, uh, we're doing French beans with candy pecans, and uh, what else are we doing? Of course, sweet potato puree and our house-made pumpkin pie. Mm. So, you know, we'll have that stuff available, but we're also offering that in a catering uh, format. You can order individual meals in advance or that day, and we'll package it up and send it out. Uh, or you can order for a family of four, and we'll send you home with uh, uh, a fresh uh, five, I think it's going to be about five pounds after cooking. Uh, turkey breast and all the accoutrement. So it, it's nice. going to be great. Yeah. You know, and we're already getting pre-orders and we already have uh, reservations and, or, you know, we're going to hit out of the park with that. Uh, Christmas, we, unfortunately, we have not solidified our menu for that yet. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> but we are open Christmas Eve for sure. We will close on Christmas day. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody's going to need a break and um, you know, we, we just, we have to, we have to take a breather. Oh, definitely. Right, when you do the carry out meals, do you ever include um, cocktails or wine? Is that something that Gibson's is doing? Oh yeah, so at the onset of this whole pandemic, we, uh, we jumped on board with the, the cocktail kit program. You know, we, we wanted the Manhattan kit, we sent you home with a bottle of bourbon, uh, cherries, bitters, and uh, and sweet vermouth. Really cool kit. I loved it. I bought one myself. Um, we have uh, 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 the a dirty martini kit, uh, classic martini kit. Uh, we did a um, oh what else? Uh, uh, what's the tin cup one? What do you what do you do in the tin cup? Oh, uh, the Moscow Mule. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> Moscow Mule kits, and we sent you home with four tin cups with it. So we have all these things available. And of course, our wine list is available to, to take home too. Cool. So, yeah. I hope you got a discount at least when you bought the Manhattan kit. <laughs> <laughs> like a 
I, yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Employee discount. It's 25% off, right? Great. <laughs> it, was, it was such a discount already. You know, you feel like you're stealing at that point. Yeah. Well, as you know, as we go into winter, what are you looking most forward to cooking for guests in the coming months? I know you said your menu doesn't change that much seasonally, but you do have some winter dishes coming on the menu. Yeah, I think, you know, the things I enjoy personally cooking in the winter, the technique of braising meat is probably one of my favorite things to do. Mm. Uh, beef bourguignon, um, Rouladen, which is a you know from my my father's heritage and I guess mine as well since I was born in Germany. Um, uh, great dish, braised red cabbage, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, in house again, you know we're we're a steakhouse. Who doesn't want a hearty steak in the middle of the winter? Right. Uh, it, it's a great thing to eat. It's as as it is in the summer to take it off the grill and eat it outside. It's so nice to, to enjoy that when you're in the heart of winter and, and you're sitting in a restaurant with a glass of wine. So as far as like crazy innovation right now, I really don't feel, uh, I don't feel it's the time to drive that. I feel it's a time to do what we know how to do and do it very well. Um, and certainly our, our chefs and all of our restaurants uh, and our, our service staff, everybody, you know, we're all working very, very hard, very long hours. And the introduction of new innovation, uh, let's do what we do and do it really well. And that's that's what we're going to continue to do. Well, when this is like, hopefully over sometime next year, do you, do you go out to restaurants yourself too and try different restaurants? And what restaurant meal would you want to have when you're not working such long hours and um, ah. a little time to relax? I tell you, I love sushi. Mm. So any opportunity I can get out to have some sushi. I did just uh, go out two nights ago um, to Momotoro and had some great sushi. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back to Mako uh, when, uh, when we uh, turn a corner here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I probably won't stop me now. You know, I think everybody has social distancing practices in place and uh, protocols for PPE to how to handle guests. So I, I'm not so much worried about it. Um, I think, uh, I think I'm looking forward to new restaurant openings, you know, mm -hmm. give me, give me a new restaurant. People <laughs> always ask, Hey, what's new? What's happening in town? I'm like, well, not really much, you know, not right now. Uh, we're all surviving and we're not, no one's really in growth mode. Now we're forward thinking, we're looking forward to opening up new places. We have a Cortino uh, on the radar to open up in, uh, in uh, the Plano, Texas area uh, next year. So we're looking forward to doing that. We always are discussing new opportunities and new things coming online. We've partnered with Jose Andres and uh, we're doing a, a bizarre meet in the new Bank of America building on 110 Wacker with them. Uh, it'll be a hybrid of we're focused on front of house operations. His team will focus on the menu and back house operations. So it's, it's going to be a, an interesting partnership and we're, we're really excited about that. So I think as we turn the corner out of this pandemic, you will see all these ideas and plans that people have uh, or have had for some time uh, that have just been put on the back burner. They're, they're going to take off and it's going to be an exciting time. So. Well, I can't wait. I'm sure you can't. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Dan, thanks so much for sharing your story and your expertise. 
Past episodes of MenuFeed can be downloaded from Spotify and other podcast platforms. Please join us next time as we explore more menu trends with chefs and operators across the industry.